So today is the first message of 2022. And as I've wrestled with this, there's been one question that I've been thinking of over these last few weeks. I'm sure some of you might have the same one. And the question is, how in the world will 2022 be any different? And in some ways, it definitely doesn't feel any different than the beginning of 2021. But how will it be different? And this is a time where many of us ask that question and we center on resolutions and goals and those are fine. But I don't want to center on that today. I want to center on this idea of a direction that God has for us. And then how do we get correction when we veer off of that direction? That God lays out for us a clear guide of how 2022 can be different regardless of how the circumstances are the same or different. And that when we veer away from that, there's corrective measures that God gives us in our soul to come back to him. Because as we enter this year, there's a few things that are certainly going to happen for you. You're going to experience personal success. These wins in your life that are going to be joyful and exciting that you're going to want to share with everyone. And you're also going to experience personal failures, setbacks, things that you would wish to hide things that are not what you were after, but have come into your life. There will be gains and there will be losses. We know for a fact that COVID will continue to disrupt our everyday lives. There are some things that are certain, but there's a lot of uncertainty, a lot of uncertainty about how that will happen, how that will look, how this new change in our lives or new change in careers might cause in you. But I want to return to what can be certain because I think what will make 2022 different, that God wants, is a direction that we would become so obsessed with Jesus. That the only thing that will make this year different than last is if you and I become so entranced and obsessed with the person and the divinity of Jesus Christ, our Savior, who He is, what He means for our lives. And the more we get consumed in Him, the more our lives will be different regardless of how our circumstances change or stay the same. And so I want to center on a passage that we've talked about this fall a couple times because I want to return to it because I think it's the greatest struggle and it's the greatest benefit to causing 2022 to be different. And that's found in Philippians chapter 4. Philippians 4, 11 through 13, Paul is writing and he's saying, I rejoiced in the Lord greatly Oh, sorry, I skipped ahead. I'll just go back to 11. Now that I'm not that I'm speaking of being in need, for I've learned in whatever situation I am to be content. I know how to be brought low and I know how to abound in any and every circumstance. I've learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I want to center on the idea of contentment once again, because I think it is what we need most and it seems so easily slips away from our lives. And there is a contentment that can be had in any and every circumstances in Christ Jesus. And that contentment means that you could be so satisfied in Jesus Christ that you can become confident that whether things are good or bad by earthly standards, that God is at work in them. And so you're okay and you can have joy and peace no matter what. So satisfied in Christ. And as we look at 2022, that is the direction that God is saying. That's the only way that anything's going to be different. 
is you, you place your full satisfaction, go all in on Jesus and him alone, because that can sustain through anything that you face. Through anything that comes to the city, through anything that comes to your family, anything, if it's in Jesus, your satisfaction, you're going to be fine. But the question is, how do we get there? And so if that's the direction, I want to walk through three phrases that will help us take actions towards that direction. But as I do it, I also want to give you some corrective measures because you're going to veer off track. You're going to have those New Year's resolutions, and for two weeks, you're going to be on it. And then the next news cycle is going to throw you off, or something is going to happen in your life, and it's going to distract you. And so there's warning signs in your soul. And the image that has come to mind, and it's actually come up in a few conversations, is that of a dashboard on a car. Then a dashboard on a car, it has kind of these regular measures for you, how much gas you have, how fast you're going. But there's also these warning lights that come up to tell you, you have to pay attention because if you don't pay attention, the car is going to stop working. And so there are these warning lights. And so as we go through each of these three steps, I also want to highlight a warning light of your soul. Because in the same way, there are things that come out of you in your body and in your mind and your soul that are trying to speak to you to get your attention. Warning lights to say you're on track for its full satisfaction in Jesus or you're veering off. Let your body become a major prophet. Let your mind speak to you what is true and to return to Jesus to find satisfaction. Now, the first phrase that God has really spoken to me on this is simply to slow down. That for us to stay content in Jesus, we have to slow down. And what I mean by that is that you would find God's pace for your personal pursuits. That God is interested in the things that you are personally passionate about, in your dreams, and your ambitions. But he's more interested in what his pursuits are for your life. What his dreams, what he's after. And he has a pace that he knows is healthy for you that you can sustain and enjoy satisfaction. Because you and I have all run at certain paces towards our pursuits and ambitions, and they've been unhealthy for us. They've left us exhausted, worn out, disappointed, and frustrated. But God's pace is better than that. As I've thought through this message, I've thought about the people of Israel leaving Exodus, or leaving, in the Exodus, leaving Egypt. And what I think is fascinating is God took 40 years to reorient their pace out of Egypt's pace. That they had been in Egypt in slavery, crying out, saying, please don't make it so hard, so fast, so difficult. Because Egypt was telling them, go two times faster, make, produce two times more than you have. More, more, more. Just like New York City tells all of us. And it took God 40 years to reorient their pace to be outside of Egypt and inside of his presence. And he did so by having a pillar of cloud by day and fire by night. And when he moved, they were supposed to move. And when he stayed put, they were supposed to stay put. And I think what you and I need to realize as we enter into 22 is we've been running at Egypt's pace. Our pace in our mind, our body, our actions have been dictated more by the culture than by the presence of Christ in our lives. And there is a reorientation that needs to take place. And the only way we do that is if we slow down from the demands of others 
and submit to the demanding delights of Jesus Christ. And so we find ourselves at his pace, not running after our own pace, that we could find ourselves walking in the cadence of Christ. Because the truth is, when we follow Egypt's pace, it leads to disappointment, even in Egypt's promises. The culture has promises for us, and we run at that, and we receive them, and yet why are they not satisfying? They don't satisfy the soul. But Christ's pace leads to Christ's promises, and that is satisfaction. Now, what is the warning light here? See, the warning light, we recently went on a trip, and, and the car that I rented, if I went over the speed limit, somehow it was connected to the road, and it would start flashing red at me. Terribly annoying because I just want to get there fast. But what it's doing is it's saying you're going at an unsafe speed. You may get there fast or you may not get there well. And there is a warning light of our soul that is saying you're going too fast. If you find yourself in a hurried, stressful state of mind that tends to speak to you and says, you don't have enough time. There's too much to do. Do more. These messages need to be warning lights to your soul because that's not the words of God to his children. He is never saying, you're not doing enough. You've got to do more. There's not enough time. Let's hurry. Let's hurry. Let's hurry. God's not in a hurry. He is actively working patiently to pursue more of his presence in your life. And so these need to be warning lights that you've started to find your satisfaction in Egypt's pace not in God's pace, and to come back and slow down so you find God's pace by sitting in his presence. That's the first step for us. And we see that in Paul's words where he says he learned the secret. That word, the secret, is this mystery, but it communicates this idea of shutting your eyes and shutting your mouth so you can experience God's mysteries. That's familiar to us in language of meditation that has become so common and so pushed upon us as mindfulness. And God says, I've been telling you this all along. Come learn the secret. Sit in my presence. Shut your eyes. Shut your mouth. Slow down. Learn the secret to be content and satisfied in my presence. Slow down and go at my pace. The second phrase, and depending on the first, is that you would begin to see God's reality. See God's reality, because there's two realities going on. There's one you see, and behind the scenes, there's God playing chess, accomplishing something that you can't see in and around you. And to see God's reality is to learn to embrace God's perspective, because then you'll enjoy his promises. You know, going back to the people of Israel and Egypt, They did not see God's reality. They got to see God's miracles, but they were often veered away from that. They got to walk through the Red Sea, be set free. It's something they cried out for generations for. And then they immediately begin to complain because they look around and they're like, where's our food? Where's our shelter? God's like, I I just took you out of Egypt. Why don't you know I'm going to take care of you? See, because what comes out of us in these different events that come into our lives can be one of two things. We can ask what God is doing in an angry way or in an open-minded way. We can be offended or open-minded. 
We can look at God and go, why are you doing this? Or we can look at God and go, why are you doing this? Those are two different attitudes and approaches. One seeking to embrace God's perspective, one demanding God's perspective conform to ours. And the people of Israel complained. They said, we're not going to have food. God brought us out here to die. God's here to destroy us. And Moses, in contrast, turns to God and says, why did you bring us out here? Is it to destroy us? How are you going to demonstrate who you are? And God said, let me show you the right perspective. I will provide for you without effort. I will let manna fall in front of you abundantly more than you could pick up or gather or eat in a day because that is who I am. I want to give abundance over and over and over again. Your perspective is you see nothing. I see a chance to provide for you. Repeatedly, God is saying, I am going to provide for you regardless of how you see things going on around you. We need to be able to embrace God's reality. Now, the warning light for us in this, for a car, would be a check engine light. Now, new cars, especially Teslas, tell you exactly what's wrong. But I've only operated in old cars, and there's just one check engine light, and it could mean a thousand different things. (laughs) And I only know to do one thing, and that's take it to a mechanic so he can tell me 15 things I need to pay for when one thing's wrong. See, there's this check engine light, and that is this sign that we need to go to the mechanic. The soul has a check engine light. If you find yourself offended towards God, if you find yourself emotionally reactive towards others and towards events and circumstances, let it be a check engine light that you're no longer in prayerful dialogue, openly wondering what God is trying to do in your life, but you are offended that he's not doing what you want him to do in your life. And let it be a warning light to come back in prayer and say, teach me again. Show me what you're doing. So that any and every event that comes in, you can turn to him and say, God, why are you doing this? Instead of, why, God, why? That we might seek to be content again by seeing his reality, not just seeing what we see in our reality. God is always doing more than we could ever ask or imagine or even see. And he wants to reveal it to us. He's really bad at hiding. (laughs) He loves to show off. But he loves it when we ask. Now, two ways that's worked in my life when I have finally slowed down, which is typically only when I sleep or take a vacation. Um, When I've slowed down in my sleep, Recently, God's given me these crazy dreams, and I thought they were crazy until they came true. And I'll share one of them in February because I want to wait on it because it's beautiful and powerful. But when you slow down, God loves to show you what he's doing because he wants you to participate in his work and not just so you do something, but so you see he's doing something. And the other thing that happened in slowing down on vacation was I got a chance to grieve. I mean, all of us experience loss in a variety of ways over these last few years. But recently on a vacation, I finally took time to grieve the loss of my dad. Now, grief is something that I don't like, but I've discovered it to be this very odd and beautiful gift, showing what he's trying to do, what God's trying to do in my life, 
even through loss, that he's able to teach me what it is that he wants me to become as I go through the grief process. But grief is not fast and it demands that you slow down. And in slowing down, I could finally see God's reality. So slow down so he can show you what he's up to. And that warning light of the soul where your emotions are reactive and going out crazy, let it be an invitation back into his presence and prayerful dialogue. But the third, so slow down, see God's reality. And the last is that you would seek Christ's agenda. Christ has an agenda. He is after his kingdom advancing in this world and in your life. And so he's up to something. He has a to-do list, just like you and I. But one is easily accomplished and one is a challenge to accomplish. But when we seek Christ's agenda, what we do is we find ease through God's activity. We find ease through God's activity. Because what you and I need to remember is that God is already working in every room that we enter into. And he's going to work in the room as we're in it. And he's going to work long after we leave that room. He is actively doing something. And our aim is to seek what is he doing and how can I be a part of it? See, I've, I've returned to the Gospel of John specifically recently. And Jesus does all these miracles over and over again. He's healing and teaching in ways that people are blown away by. And he acts like it's normal and easy. In John chapter 5, he goes to heal a paralytic who's been paralytic, paralyzed for 38 years. And everyone's like, how in the world did you do this? And he's like, I just was doing what my father was doing. Here's how he explained it in John chapter 5, verses 19 and 20. Jesus explained, I tell you the truth, the son can do nothing by himself. He does only what he sees the father doing. And whatever the father does, the son also does. And all he is trying to communicate is that God is active. And the more you participate in God's activity, the easier it is. And what I want you to see from that is that God has placed you in this job that you're in right now, in this family, in this community, in this city, in that apartment, wherever he is, he's placed you there for a reason. Now you go into those rooms and you have your agenda of what we're seeking to accomplish, what you want to see done. You go in there and God's like, yeah, cool, let's do that. But then let's do more than that. Yes, you want to produce that product and resolve that problem at work? Great. I want you to care about the soul of the person in front of you and to see their lives change. I want you to pastor them through their emotional responses to disagreements in the workplace. I want you not just to have peace in your family, but to have the presence of God there. See, there is something that God is up to. And what he wants us to do is be content with the things that God has us for there, not just content with the things that we are there for. That we're not just there for the paycheck. We're not just there for the resume builder. We're there for something greater. He has an agenda of why he's placed you here and now. And the aim is to seek that. Now, the warning lights. The warning light for this is your brake lights in the car. Um, like I said, I've always had old vehicles and I like to run them into the ground. And one of those, I had to replace the brakes. Now you start to hear brakes squeak when they start to go out. But if you just turn up the volume, you don't hear it. 
But eventually, the lights on the dashboard are like, please, this is going to go very bad. See, and the same thing goes for your soul. See, Jesus said he can do nothing by himself. If you find yourself so frustrated that nothing is advancing, and usually that's shown by a lack of the fruits of the Spirit in your life, where the fruits of the Spirit are love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, and self-control. And if you find in your soul none of those coming out, it's highly likely that you're only on your agenda and able to do nothing. If it feels like you're constantly walking in mud, constantly hitting walls, these are warning lights for your soul that your agenda has taken over Christ's agenda in your life. And it's this warning light to come back and surrender once more to say, I can do nothing of myself. I only want to do what I see the Father doing. So the direction is to seek satisfaction fully as contentment in Christ. It requires that over the course of this year that we don't just join the pace of the city or the news cycle or the next COVID wave that may come, some new variant that we'll invent a really cool name for. It's that we step out of the pace of the society we live in and step into the pace of God. Because as we slow down, we see that his reality is something far greater than we can see. His agenda will always advance. His kingdom cannot be stopped. And there we find contentment. And that really only requires one thing of you this year, an obsession with Jesus Christ. As complicated as we want to make it and as many self-help books that are, you're going to buy this year and podcasts you're going to listen to to engage your mind, that's me. If we can just push that aside to become so enamored with Jesus, to begin to ask questions of what made Jesus smile? What made him joyful? How do I become joyful like that in the things that Jesus delighted in? Because that's what I was made for. What made Jesus angry? And does it align with what makes me angry? What did Jesus become most passionate about seeing happen in this world? How do I become most passionate about that wherever I go? This obsession with Jesus. And over time, as these warning lights tell you, you've lost that focus on Jesus. You've lost that obsession. The beauty is not to, um, God's not someone who condemns. He's not like, come on, you knew better. He's like, I'm here, just come back. Come back to Jesus. Align with me again. There's realignment that has to happen in our lives. 2022 is just getting started, and this is a chance for us to return to what matters most. And it's not that God operates on our calendar system, but he loves when we choose the calendar system as a chance to be new again. And so how will 2022 be different for you? Where do you need to slow down? What part of your life are you saying, I want to see your reality, not my own reality? And do you even know what his agenda is? I believe God wants to show us. So let's turn to him in prayer and let's begin this practice of slowing down. So let's pray together.
Jesus, we sang songs about you. We've read passages about you, of what you teach. But what we need more than anything is to have genuine experiences with you in your word, in prayer, in community. I do believe you want 2022 to be different for each of us, greater than what we've experienced, even in the midst of pain or joys. And it's found by just focusing on you. And so for me and this church, we first want to say we repent for focusing on other things. We embrace your forgiveness and mercy so that we can re-enter into what matters most to fix our eyes on you, Jesus. And so we pray this in Christ's name. Amen. Um, as we respond today, we're going to do so through communion. And so there's people in the aisles that are going to pass this around for you. Um, there's so much beauty in what has become known as the Eucharist. It's been believed for a long time that God is present in some form as we partake in this sacrament. That as we do it, we're reminded that Jesus died for us. His love was so vast. His desire to be with us so much. His desire for us to have satisfaction that he was broken and beaten and bloodied and killed so that we could be reunited in his presence. So that's why we hear his words when he said, this is my body broken for you. Eat it in remembrance of me. Theologically, we understand that the blood of Jesus did more than just be shed on that cross. It being shed as a sacrifice was something that caused cleansing in our lives, a renewal of relationship, a renewal and freedom from sin. And so by faith, we hear him say, this is my blood. Drink it in remembrance of me. Before we stand and sing, I do want to lead you through a time of meditative prayer in the sense that we could learn this secret together, that we might be able to shut our eyes, shut our mouth, and seek God's presence together. I just want to pray about three specific things. And so join me in prayer. Jesus, you came that we would have peace. And you are our Prince of Peace. And so we stand in front of you, the Prince of Peace, inviting you to stand in front of us. We ask that you speak to our fears, to tell them to depart from our mind, to tell them to get out of our body, out of our minds from a racing mind, out of our body from a clenched chest or a racing heart. Be our Prince of Peace. Lord, bring your peace into our lives right now. Jesus, the scriptures also say that by your wounds we are healed. And so Jesus, stand in front of your people today and heal them 
for those of us in our community that have COVID, heal them. For those who are facing chronic illness and pain, relieve them of that pain. Bring your healing. For those who are facing mental health challenges and difficulties, bring that healing today, Jesus. By your wounds, heal us. And lastly, Jesus, show us your way. Reveal to each of us what you want for us the rest of the day and tomorrow. Reveal your plans and your purposes that we might join in your agenda. And today we slow down because we'd rather see your reality and do your will. And so we pray as you taught that your will would be done on earth as it is in heaven.